I'm going to invite you this morning to share one last thing. We've been talking about sharing for a long time now. We began with a school of prayer, moved into a school of service, finishing up the school of sharing, headed towards the school of worship in a little bit. But tonight, this morning, one last thing. It's really dark outside, I got confused for a minute. I'd invite you this morning to share permission. Share permission. Some years ago, I had a conversation with a gentleman who was very, very angry at me. He was accusing me of all kinds of treachery, none of which was true, but he had heard something from someone else who was misinformed and it just spiraled out of control. And because he was a man who could control neither his passions nor his tongue, he thought the hallway of the church was a good place to confront me with his view of things. I listened kindly, internally frustrated, externally calm, doing my best not to be defensive and to listen carefully to what was being said to me. Eventually he stopped, thankfully, and he left. I wasn't prepared for what happened next, however. That particular church had two church secretaries. One was the office manager. They had worked at that church for many years. I was new there, had only been there about a year. But when I stepped back into the church office, it was immediately clear that the secretaries had overheard every word that the gentleman had spoken. Given the volume with which he spoke, it would have been impossible for them not to hear all that he had said. And these two ladies were furious. Furious that the old guy would repeat such things, that he would treat me in such an unchristian manner, that he would be so disrespectful. And they advised me, just ignore everything he said. He's just like that, they told me. Later, I thought about their words. He's just like that? If that's the way he is, why is he still this way? How long has he attended the church? Was the ministry of that church so ineffective that a person could attend there for 50 years and still behave as poorly as that man had behaved? Why had the transforming grace of God not worked on this poor soul? Who failed this gentleman that he could reach such a ripe old age and still be such an infant in the faith? Listen to Paul's words to the Galatian church in Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone, who is, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Verse seven, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. 
a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul is telling us in very clear terms that we have a responsibility to care for one another in the faith. And this isn't just take them a meal when they're sick, though that's a great idea as well. This is share and reinforce the faith. I'm not talking about witnessing to non-Christians at this point. I'm talking about sharing your walk in faith with other Christian brothers and sisters who are in the church with you. Share your growth. Share your character development. Look out for each other. Protect one another. If someone gets off track, humbly, kindly, Go to that person and tell them of your concerns, ask questions. We have a measure of responsibility for one another in the realm of spiritual development. We know that's true. We provide Sunday school and children's church for children because our responsibility exists for their moral and spiritual development. We provide Sunday school and youth group for teens because of our responsibility for the moral and spiritual development of our teens. We provide adult Sunday school classes and other opportunities for sharing because of our responsibility for the moral and spiritual development of adults. But there is also a one-to-one responsibility that we have for our close friends and Christian brothers and sisters in the faith. And I'm not talking about convincing those people to think exactly the way you think or to vote for whoever you think they should vote for. I'm talking about responsibilities to see that our sisters and brothers are growing in love. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, look a few verses earlier to Galatians 5. Now, now I'll tell you, taking this sermon seriously might be dangerous. Because some folks so like to give advice to others, whether they follow it themselves or not, they can't help themselves by just giving advice and they'll take this sermon as permission to continue to give advice. You know, the old gripe about the speck in my neighbor's eye and ignoring the chunk of wood in my own. There are folks like that. But it's really important that you hear this part. You don't have any permission to speak to your brothers and sisters in Christ in any kind of critical way if you are not first walking in love yourself. Do you see what it says right there in Galatians 6, 1 right in the middle? You who live by the Spirit should take up this task. This is not a general instruction to everyone in the church. This is for only those in the church who are living by the Spirit. And so if you're not living by the Spirit, please shut up. Please, we don't need your advice if you're not living by the Spirit. You say, well, how do I know if I'm living by the Spirit? Well, Paul describes exactly what he means in Galatians 5.22. 
read the words. But the fruit of the Spirit, if you are walking in the Spirit, you will bear this kind of fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus, verse 24 says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So those are pretty clear words, aren't they? It's hard to misunderstand what Paul is saying there. People who are living by the Spirit are already expressing kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They don't provoke or envy. If you aren't gentle and compassionate, if you aren't kind, if your words are motivated by envy or frustration, please, please, please keep your comments to yourself. Kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the traits that guide the conversation between mature Christian and the one who may be showing signs of immaturity or worse yet, outright sin. And folks who are living by the Spirit are able to discern when to speak and when to shut up. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit to the mature Christian. If you're honestly seeking to do God's work and and be the best friend you can to your brother and sister in Christ, the Spirit will let you know when to keep your trap shut. But he will also tell you gently when you need to carefully wave a red flag and say, brother, sister, are you sure this is right? Are you sure this is where we should be walking? Are you sure this is gonna take you to a deeper relationship with Jesus? This task of gently and humbly caring for our brothers and sisters Christ is a gentle task. It's a task for careful people. It's a task where setting and timing matter. Discernment is important if you're going to confront someone with their faults. And what did Paul say? Be careful lest you be tempted in the same way if you're going to attempt to do this. But I want to say, having said all of that, that from the side of us individually, we need to know that we alone are responsible for our own spiritual maturity. It, it's, like, it's like the two-part teaching where everyone is required to pull their own weight, but we also care for one another, right? You pull your own weight, but the body of Christ cares for you. In this area of spiritual maturity, you are responsible, you alone, for your spiritual maturity and the rest of the body of Christ is a participant in caring for you as well. Paul tells the Christian family that they're responsible for each other. Paul tells us to confront in kindness and gentleness. Paul tells us we are our brothers and sisters 
keepers. However, you are the one solely by yourself who decides whether or not any of your brothers and sisters in Christ will dare to do their job. No one's going to talk to you about these kinds of matters, which are dicey to talk about and require gentleness and kindness. No one's going to talk about that unless you give them permission to talk to you about it. And that's why this morning I invite you to share permission. Share permission. If you really want to be mature, if you really want to grow in Christ, the best way to approach this is to give a friend or two of yours the specific permission they need to be honest with you. You need to state your intention to be transformed by the Spirit of God. You need to tell a few folks that you need their help in seeing the truth. You need a friend who loves you enough to be honest with you. And you need to believe that your relationship with God is stable enough to allow some measure of criticism of your performance. Some of us are so defensive, so insecure about ourselves that we can't allow anyone ever to say a critical word to us. But I think that happens because we are hesitant to believe all that God says about his love for us. I mean, if we really could embrace, if we really could understand how deeply he loves us, how much he cares for us, we wouldn't have the need to be insecure. He is our security. Didn't we sing today? Oh God, you are my rock, my rock, right? If he's our rock, if he is our stability, we can let go of that insecurity because we are secure in Christ. And if we are secure in Christ, then we can handle dear close friends saying to us, are you sure about this? Is, is this an area where we need to be more careful? Can you give permission to a friend or two to help you take the transforming grace of God in your life seriously? This is a hard sermon designed for folks who really want to grow. My sense is, is that many of us, myself included, are dabblers. Do you know what I mean when I say a dabbler? Um, I dabble in a few things. These days, I dabble at playing the trumpet and I dabble at painting. I give so little attention to both of these endeavors that no one would be tempted to say that I take either of them seriously. I've painted exactly one painting in the last year. I have played my trumpet exactly once in public in the last year. That is not taking either of those exercises seriously. If, if I want to do well at either of these things, I need to take up the exercises required to master them multiple times a week. There is a rhythm to mastery. 
If you're watching any Olympics this week, you know it's true, right? You get those sidebar stories all the time about people who had to fight back through adversity to gain their spot on the Olympic team. We're all familiar these days with the discipline that's necessary to achieve particular goals. Spiritual growth also has a rhythm to it. Dabblers grow at a dabbler's pace. But for those of us who are serious about growing in Christ, you have to take up the rhythm of growth and you must use the tools that are available. And sharing permission with a few selected others is an excellent tool for serious disciples. It is hard to risk the potential friction that can happen if we take up this discipline seriously. It's hard to take up the risk of speaking honestly to a person who's behaving badly. And it's so much easier to just walk away and not confront gently and kindly. Because we don't, we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't know how they're going to respond. It's awkward. But if we're serious about growth in Christ, then we have to share permission with others, a few trusted others, to tell the truth about us and then count on those trusted others to actually tell us the truth about ourselves. Can you see this is almost a sacramental, sacred trust we're talking about here? The, the search for and the cultivation of accountability partners that can help me grow in the faith. Now, I told you this was a hard sermon. However, if you are content to be a curmudgeonly, cantankerous 90-year-old who gives everybody in the fellowship indigestion whenever you're around, just feel free to ignore this sermon and keep living for your own selfish self. Now, I'll grant you, as we age, we lose, some of us lose the ability to be as self-critical as we ought to be. We can't all be Evelyn Banning, let's face it. <laughs> Right? But I am convinced that if we will give permission, if we will focus on this kind of transformational grace that God wants to pour into our lives so that we can become the best version of ourself that His power and His Spirit allow, that we don't have to have. We don't have to be the kinds of folks that give everyone else an ulcer when we're around. If you choose to just become a curmudgeonly, cantankerous old person, we will do our best to be kind to you but we won't likely take the risk of being too honest with you since you have made it clear that you don't really want that level of honesty. Do you understand what I'm saying? If, 
if you don't take the transforming grace of God seriously, you're going to grow to the point, well, you will age, but you won't grow spiritually. You'll stay an infant. And then, you know how infants are. We love them, but they make a mess everywhere, right? And we expect more than infant behavior from folks who have grown old chronologically. And so, if the experience of the church with you is that you don't really want to grow, then we'll just have to be careful around you. And we don't want that for you. We want you to know the richness and the joy and all the width of relationship with God and one another. That's our desire for you. That's really what holiness is about. Holiness is about the transforming grace of God so filling our hearts that we automatically love one another and we are careful and we are kind and we do exercise self-control and we are gentle and we live in the richness of those relationships where we can humbly tell the truth to one another and become all that God desires us to be. It's my contention that folks who have attended MCN for 10 years or more should be the sweetest, the kindness, the gentleness, the, you know, all the attributes mentioned in Galatians 22, 5.22 and on. We should be all of those things with increasing grace. If we are gonna be more than dabblers, if we're gonna take the transforming grace of God seriously, if we are so willing to take this grace seriously that we'll go all the way to sharing permission with others to help us become the kind of people that he wants us to become. Not the kind of people that your friends in the church want you to become. I was not talking about that. I'm talking about his vision for who you are. The same one who predestined that all who would be saved would be conformed to the image of his son, right? Isn't that what God chose for us before the foundation of the world? That we would be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the work God is accomplishing in us. If we'll do more than dabble, if we will embrace the fullness of the work of the Spirit in our lives. So I encourage you this morning. Share permission. And now may the one who began a good work in us carry it on to full completion, that in thought, word, and deed, our lives may be lived to the glory of God now and forever. Amen.